This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 33. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Erica Duran to the Baller Circle. Erica is a business coach, freedom-based luxury lifestyle designer. She gives expert guidance, support, and accountability to service-based entrepreneurs to build a business so they can work from anywhere and earn a consistent five to $20,000 per month. She also helps them set up structures so they have the freedom to work just about three days per week. Erica travels full-time, living at luxury resorts that sponsor her podcast and web TV show. Erica, I'm so glad to have you on the show. Is there anything you wanted to add to that intro? No, that was perfect. Thank you so much for having me. So Erica, the first question that I have after the last part of the introduction that talked about you living at luxury hotels is how do you do this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get asked that question a lot. And, uh, I did have a hotel and restaurant management degree and I was a hotel executive for a long time before I was an entrepreneur. So I do know a little bit of the lingo and all, but really it was just a hustle. It wasn't, I didn't know any special lingo that really got me any of these things. It's uh, building relationships with the properties and just asking and getting rejected a whole lot. Huh. Interesting. So, so what's the, what's the strategy in approaching uh, a hotel or resort about uh, about sponsorship? And uh, can you talk a little bit about like what sort of um, expectations they have from from the sponsorship relationship? Yeah, well, there's so many different types of sponsors and so many different types of hotels. So the first thing I would say is make sure it makes sense. Like it totally makes sense with my brand to go after luxury hotels. And so I can showcase that I can work from anywhere and and things like that. So it has to make sense if you're doing a podcast about how to be a better golfer you know, it might not be the same or it might not be the same thing, but, right. uh, it's, it's like with, with any, uh, sales or marketing, uh, getting your, your ideal client or your ideal hotel and then, uh, showing them what you can provide them. You know, I, I got my first sponsor before I even had a show and I know the podcast community is all about, well, how many downloads do you have and how many listeners do you have? And I'm like, well, I had, I didn't have any of that when I started, so I just had to had to let them know what I did have and what I could do for them rather than what I didn't have. And, you know, a lot of these businesses and hotels and anyone you want to approach about sponsorship, they don't – a lot of them don't even know what to ask. Uh, we think in the podcasting world that all these stats are – and numbers are important, but a lot of these companies don't even know to ask. Hmm. Interesting. So, so, so you were able to secure a, uh, a sponsorship without even, you know, presenting download numbers and, and you know, uh, YouTube views and things like that. That's 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 interesting, and and I'm sure very encouraging for some people who are like either just starting out and they want to do this, but they feel like, hey, I need to wait until I have, you know, a hundred thousand downloads a month or you know whatever number it is they're trying to hit. Um, so, I guess, would your advice be for someone thinking about doing this to say, hey, don't wait until you have that. Just try it now and see what sticks. 
Well, I had a little bit different mindset around it. I, I, I knew podcasts were a lot of work because I'd been studying them and I was like, I am not going to do one stitch of work until I secure a sponsor, like till I make it, make it real for myself. I'm not going to do any work. I'm not going to, I'm done working for free. So, uh, yeah, I, I would, you know, pick out the sponsors that are, make sense for your show and then yes, approach them. And if, if they say no, I would approach a different one or approach them later because there's so much turnover in these places too, that if you get a no next year, it might be a yes. Right. Right. So can you, can you give us a quick idea of like what sort of pitch would you have if, you know, if you were to, if if you were, you know, starting over again, uh, how would you approach, uh, someone about a sponsorship? Yeah, if it, if it was any of the sponsors, whether they're cash sponsors or resort sponsors, I usually try to make some sort of connection through email, so researching the right person to talk to or by uh, being active with them on Twitter for a little bit and then reaching out and asking, hey, I'd like to showcase you guys on my shows. Who's the right person to talk to? And then they'll usually give you their director of sales and marketing or their PR person. Uh, and then I send, I, I learned this, I used to send a really, really long detailed email of everything. And I, I saw that that kind of overwhelmed people. So I started sending just shorter emails. Hey, are you interested in this? Maybe three sentences. And then if they bit on that, then I would send a longer, more detailed proposal of everything that we would do and a bit of our demographics and uh, go from there. Hmm. Okay. I like that. That's it's a good approach. Uh, so another another question that I have about this sort of lifestyle is: so full time living at luxury resorts, are you are you never at a resort? Is there a time where you do you have an apartment, or are you just you don't have any other place that you that you live, and you just go from resort to resort? Well, I let my Newport Beach uh, apartment go in 2012, but I am considering, it's been a while now, so I am considering having a base again around in uh, January 2017. I'm considering it, but it just depends on my schedule and, uh, you know, what sponsorships come through or where I want to be. There is a lot of time and decision making and logistics that, if I didn't have that full-time traveling piece, if I did have a base to land in, I could, you know, devote a lot more time to my clients or some other work. So I am considering that uh, in the near future. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, when I was thinking about this, um, the whole idea of, you know, you're, you're a coach in business, but also lifestyle design. I think the idea um, of living, you know, living out of luxury hotels sounds awesome, right? But at the same time, part of me wonders, do you ever feel like you wish you had a home base? Do you ever feel like you don't have a sense of community because you're always moving from one place to another? Like what, what, what are the lifestyle, I guess, benefits and drawbacks to this, this sort of way of living? Right. Well, I do tend to stay places quite a long time. So three to six months. So I'm not just plane hopping all the time and things like that. And I do have dogs, so I don't take them when I'm in Hawaii because they're quarantined. But when I go other places, they they go with me most of the time. Uh, so the drawback, it is the drawback is just the productivity, the the Wi-Fi situation. Sometimes even in luxury resorts, the Wi-Fi situation can be a little bit choppy. 
uh, the time devoted to, okay, where's the, cause I'm a vegan. It's a little bit harder to find food sometimes. And, um, those are some of the drawbacks, but the community, even when I do stick in one place for six months or longer, uh, a big part of my community is online. And that used to sound a little bit weird, but I'm noticing more and more these days, it's not as weird <laughs> to have a, a online group of friends and everything. Right. That's awesome. Huh? I, so with, uh, I mean, you seem like you have a very good strategy for, for managing all of this. Uh, and, and it's good to know that you're staying in places longer period of time. Cause I, I had the vision of like, you're one week here and then you're picking up your bags and moving another week to somewhere else. And that would be a lot more, uh, a lot more work yeah, to do. That's a little hectic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. I couldn't get anything done. If <laughs> that was the case. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, glad I have a little bit more clarity on that. So, um, you're, you're a business coach. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about like how do you make money? How, what, what does that look like for you? What are your revenue streams? Yeah, I have uh, one-to-one coaching. So I have three levels of that in two, four, or six-month programs. Then I have a VIP day luxury intensive, which is a two-night stay at a luxury resort plus a full day of us working together on uh, four main topics. But if they're already past those topics, uh, we can work on something a little bit more customized. Uh, and then I just opened a, a group program called Club Alihi, which means royalty in Hawaii. And uh, it's a group co- program and mastermind. So there's over 20 modules. There's a Facebook group. There's all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, the podcast sponsorships come in. So uh, there's hmm, roughly four or five revenue streams. Every so often, I'll throw out an info product or a six-week you know, telesummit or something like that. But I... I I most of my revenue does come from the one-to-one coaching. Okay. And who who is your ideal client? My ideal client is a they're usually a woman entrepreneur who has kind of been trying to piece together all the free stuff online, downloading everything, listening to a bunch of podcasts and just kind of surviving or struggling for one to two years before they're kind of at that point where I'm going to make this business work no matter what. And I'm tired of piecing together things in the wrong order and getting all the freebies and I'm ready to be serious and I'm ready to do it right this time. And, uh, stop settling basically is is the kind of person that I enjoy working with. Okay. How, how did you figure that out that this was the ideal client from you? I assume that, you know, you, you've, you know, worked with a lot of different people and at some point you had to narrow down like what, what, what makes most sense for your business. What was your process? Yeah, I listened to the people that were naturally coming to me. So I used to be a professional organizer. And then I took that business online. And I was more of a productivity expert teaching entrepreneurs time management and productivity. And then that kind of morphed into the full on business coaching just from people asking me, well, you know, because time management is the platform your whole life is built on. So they were like, how do I be productive with Twitter? How do I make my website more productive? How do I do this? And that just morphed into a complete business coaching type of situation with a lot more, how do I make my marketing productive? How do I make my sales conversations closing better and things like that? So it really naturally morphed. But the other side of that was I did just go out and claim 
uh, a, a target market so I can make a big leap from surviving at three to 5,000 a month to start making 10 to 20,000 a month. I really focused on a particular market and I chose professional organizers and coaches, web designers, kind of service-based entrepreneurs, wedding planners, people like that, and just kind of claimed that market and went after them like my hair was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Went after them like my hair was on fire. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so um, wh- how did you learn the skill set that you have uh, that you're able to share with your clients and help them become a lot more productive and make a lot more money? Yeah, the productivity piece, I was just a complete uh, geek around that since high school and even before that probably. So I had a, just super interested in that topic. And then I I am a little bit older. I'm 41, so I'm not a millennial or anything, but I am very interested in technology and how to use it and uh, leverage it and, and everything for the best to your advantage and the best for your business. So those two pieces... And the rest, unfortunately, was a lot of struggle and trial and error uh, to get a lot of the other pieces right. And a lot of the, I I kept kind of making myself special, kind of saying like, well, in two ways, like that doesn't apply to me. Like this whole target market thing doesn't apply to me. Everyone needs better time management. And that was kind of a big mistake, even though I knew I was making the mistake, I couldn't get over it kind of and then just thinking uh that you know seeing other people on facebook or you know scrolling through the feeds and seeing everyone else being successful and i felt like i studied these topics longer and i knew more than them and there's just some missing piece so thinking that it couldn't be me like that was for other people so i was kind of making myself special in a good way and special in a bad way thinking that I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't do it myself and then the flip side of that is like oh my gosh I don't need a target market I'm I'm like so beyond that <laughs> it's like so, so silly like I I I've made all the cliche mistakes and as the silly thing is that at the time I even knew I was doing this like even during some feast and famine cycle I'm like consistent revenue comes from consistent marketing and that would be in my head all the time and then I would you know just stop marketing for a month you know it's like (laughs) why do I why do we do this these things (laughs) that's awesome so I, I feel like every entrepreneur has different things that they struggle with. Uh, and sometimes the struggles can be based on, you know, bad habits or things they don't want to do or things they haven't quite figured out yet. Um, what, what, what struggles did you have? And what do you think uh, was the driver for those struggles? Yeah, I figured out, it took me a long time, but I figured out for whatever reason, childhood or whatever, I had a, some kind of block or struggle with receiving. So I got some coaching around it and I, it was really bad. Like I, I was blocking clients and money cause I had this sub, I guess subconscious issue where, you know, if someone even wanted to buy me a cup of coffee, I would literally, you know, freak out, have anxiety, like be totally weird about it. Hmm. So, um, once I figured that out and got some coaching around it and kind of cleaned that up, like the, the faucet just kind of turned on. And I've noticed with my clients, I'm, I kind of attract people that are having trouble receiving. So it's really, 
I'm really quick at spotting it now and I can help them through it. Uh, another big piece is I didn't really have such a problem with this, but a lot of people have a problem with uh, visibility and uh, being seen online and things like that. So once I figured out, once you figure out what your core core struggle is or your core problem is, everything else kind of falls into place. Hmm. So how do you figure out what the, the, the core struggle is, the core problem is? Well, I I feel that it you can fight, figure it out a hell of a lot faster if you find a coach or something. But if you don't have that resource, uh, journaling helps a lot. Uh, talking out loud to yourself, you know, as if you maybe perhaps had a coach or a therapist. Uh, but I see uh, meditation and journaling helped a lot, and I am not the typical meditator. I didn't understand it at all, and uh, when I finally understood it, I, I, it was through this little app called Headspace. Hmm. So that <laughs> that's, that silly little app is is so valuable. It really, you know, taught me a practical way and and the why and all behind it. Uh, they say it's like a it's like a gym membership for your mind. And so <laughs> I could I could understand that. I didn't understand a lot of the other you know, yogi woo-woo stuff around it, but I could understand, oh, it's a gym membership for your mind. <laughs> uh, okay, I like that. That's awesome. So you've hired a coach in the past. You have you are a coach currently. Um, for someone out there who is uh, in a place where they are thinking about getting a coach or maybe even the, the, you know, the client that you mentioned before where they're, you know, trying to piece everything together themselves and they haven't quite reached that point um, where they realize they need a coach, what would you say is, I guess, the the best way to, one, determine what type of coach you need and how to find the right coach for, uh, I guess, whatever business struggles you're having? Right. So, you, you know, you, most people probably don't need a coach, but then they're adding, you know, five to ten years of struggling onto their situation. So you're really buying the speed and answers and things like that rather than, you know, struggling and fumbling through something. Uh, I always tell people to find a coach or mentor that's li- living the lifestyle that they would like to live for themselves. And, you know, with me, not necessarily that they're traveling full-time or whatever. Whatever. Most of my clients don't travel full time be- or travel that much at all. They just wanted more free time at home or more time with their kids or more time for hobbies or what have you or to not have the money stress all the time. So I, I only have one client out of like 15 that even tra- attempts traveling a lot. So <laughs> um, it's it's more about the, the freedom of time and how they want to use their time. Okay. Um, but I def- most definitely find someone that you, you get along with too because you're going to have to open up about you know, some fears you're having or some struggles you're having. And it, it really helps to have someone that is on kind of on the same wavelength with you. Like my ideal client has a sense of humor because I, I can't be that serious all the time. You know, this, this is, you know, it's supposed to be fun too. We're not in our nine to five jobs. It's supposed to be fun too. So I, I would highly recommend uh, talking to several coaches, and most of them have a free consultation or strategy session, discovery session, clarity call, something like that. Um, you know, speak with several of them because some of them are a lot different online than they are on the phone for real. Okay. So, what, what sort of in- expectations do you have for a mentoring relationship? 
as far as my clients go? Correct. Uh, well, my my biggest thing right now is is I'm not going to work harder on their life or business than they're willing to work. So they have to be all in too because I am totally all in. I think about them all the time. I think about them when I'm running. I think of you know how how can I better help them with their business? It's constant lifestyle for me. So if they're kind of just dipping their toe in or dabbling at something, it's probably not the best fit. It's not that I won't help them, but it's probably, it's not going to be the best fit for, for me. Um, like I said, I look for a sense of humor. I look for, uh, uh, some, someone who's trying to do something, you know, different that's never been done before. I have a lot of clients who have these brilliant ideas, but they don't see a whole lot of it around. So they think it won't work. And I was like, well, it'll work. You just have to do your messaging this way and and educate your ideal client and your audience around it. Hmm. Okay. So what what sort of expectations should your uh, mentees have about this sort of relationship? that they'll have with you and expectations in turn in, ser- in terms of uh i guess outcome results that sort of thing oh okay well uh my main goal is if they're it depends on geographically where they live and what their lifestyle and budgeting goals are but usually people that come to me if they're not making three to five thousand dollars a month through their business then that's what we immediately focus on and we don't fuss around with logos or webs you know not too much with websites or all those fussy things that new entrepreneurs do business cards stuff like that we don't fuss around with any of that until they're making their consistent three to five thousand a month based on their budgets and goals and where they live and uh, then when they're consistent at that, then we can polish it up and do some more branding and really sink into having a more sustainable brand. But until they're out of that survival mode, it's really hard to make you know, branding decisions and big dreams and lifestyles when they can't pay the rent. So hmm. uh, we get that piece out of the way first, and then we go back and start tweaking everything to to you know, fix it for a bigger brand. So big, big tagline for me is progress, not perfection. Hmm. I like that. You know, and that's, that's, I feel like that's very different than the approach that a lot of other people take. They focus on, let me get my logo perfect. Let me get my website perfect. Let me get all these things perfect before I'm I'm even making any money or even have a clear idea on what my business is. From the mentors that you've had, uh, what do you think that you have gained from those mentor relationships that you wouldn't have had necessarily either at all or as quickly otherwise and what was the change before the relationship and after yeah I think what they did for me is just uh, really simplify things I mean it it doesn't have to be that complicated I guess I was tending to overcomplicate everything and probably a little too much perfectionism uh, but just being able to to speak out loud for, with someone and get their feedback from someone that's been there uh, has been a huge help. Uh, and uh, just the the encouragement too, because there's a lot of we can feel a lot of competition and a lot of comparison uh, if we're online at all, especially, and uh, that can eat at us so that we're not really being creative or doing what we're supposed to do or share what we're supposed to, to share. It kind of makes us go into kind of a voluntary isolationism. So I think just being able to talk to another human and, and that's 
that's doing what you want to be doing and getting that all out there in the open and getting getting over it and uh, what a lot of them did for me is just point out things that I was I knew but I wasn't really completely aware of so just bringing a lot of awareness to to what I was doing were there any any things that you did in your uh, career trying to build things up in your bit current business where you felt like you wasted time and money on you know that's a, that's a really good question, but I, twenty twenty hindsight, I can't look back and say something was a waste of time or mistake because it's all helped me to learn something or get eventually where I wanted to go. I mean, there's honestly a probably a few clients here and there I shouldn't have taken on. <laughs> I knew I knew it was wrong, but I just need to pay the rent that month. Right. Um, so I, sh- you know. But I even those those Henri clients, I did learn something from them. <laughs> right, right. That's awesome. So so <laughs> it's never a mistake because you, you learn something, right? Either you right. I I saw this quote recently and it said either either you win or you learn, right? Yeah, so true. There is no <laughs> there is no lose. It's just either you win or you learn. That's true. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> so so what's your why? What, what what are you in business for? What what motivates you? Yeah. Well, I I've actually it's weird because I've just recently been through a ton of, of deaths of loved ones in my life, people passing away and loved ones passing away. Oh, wow. And Sorry I knew that. Yeah, thank you. Well, I knew this before they passed away that life is very short and we only get one time around. And I just wanted to be in, engaged in life and awake through it and not kind of go through the motions of clocking in and clocking out and watching TV and stuff like that. Um, I knew this before they passed away, but being that they have, it's been just an even bigger driver for me. Hmm. Okay. I like that. So were there, were there any, uh, times in the past where you thought you knew what your why was and then you realized that wasn't really the thing that was really motivating you? You had to dig a little bit deeper to redefine it? Um, I would think it's pretty typical I would think you know the go to school go to college get good grades get married get a picket fence stuff like that I that was kind of a thing I was doing and it felt right at the time but it ended up not being right okay okay I like that I think that's the case for a lot of people we have um I I feel like the expectations of the world society community family whatever um that we adopt and then over time, sometimes we have to question those things and, and redefine uh, what really motivates us. And I think even like, uh, I, I, you know, like, like your lifestyle, right? I think you, you made a good point earlier about not everyone wants to live out of hotels. You know, that, that sounds great for some people and some people it may not be right for. So uh, in terms of lifestyle design, I think it's really important just to figure out what's right for you uh, and not necessarily copying uh, someone else's lifestyle or what someone else tells you to do. Right. Um, so with lifestyle design, uh, and your clients who are trying to, I guess, put that together, what sort of questions do you ask them? How do you, um, help them figure out how to create the ideal lifestyle for them? Yeah, first, first it is kind of, it's funny. I was a professional organizer cause it is kind of decluttering their, their brain a little bit. They are, they're so caught up in their day to day and that, they haven't even thought about what they really wanted in maybe five to 10 years. They've just been on this path and getting through the next day and getting through the next month of bills and not really even questioning what they're doing. So 
uh, just that piece of you know, asking them, well, what do you want? And do you really want that? Or is that your husband or mother or sister telling you you want that? Getting that uncovered is uh, pretty uh, pretty uncomfortable for them at first because they haven't visited those things in so long. I ask them a lot of what they did uh, as a child, uh, what interested them as a child, and then also what they do on weekends. So if they're you know, trying to be a web designer all through the week and then on the weekends they run off to... Uh, scuba dive or something well there's some kind of disconnect there you can maybe integrate something a little bit better and uh, it's just a way to get get ideas out for their branding and everything if we ask them what they do on the weekends and what they enjoyed as a as a child okay so let's say um let's say you take someone who is a few steps back from your where your ideal client is you know they haven't been looking for two years they haven't quite gotten to the point let's say they're they, they just started dabbling and um trying to discover how to create an internet business right they hate their mm-hmm. current job and they're and they're trying to think where should i start what should i do first what would your suggestion be yeah well i that's the great that's a great client uh, for me or anyone in in the coaching industry or mentoring industry because there's a blank slate and there's not a lot of correcting <laughs> to do so yeah so that's an even even cleaner path for for me to help someone um, but the the first thing I I would tell them to do is to get really clear on how they wanted their lifestyle to look like and how they wanted their business to to look do they want to work one-to-one with clients do they want to work weekends do they want to put the boundary up that they are only on the phone on Tuesdays like whatever their boundary is start that now when you don't have any clients because it's a lot easier to put your structures and boundaries in place in the beginning than trying to fix it later and try to train your clients or customers to do something different later awesome well, Erica, I really appreciate your time. I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you provided some great value. I've learned a lot just talking to you myself. So I'm no, I know the audience Aww, uh, thank has, you. has learned a lot as well. Uh, so before we close out, I wanted to know, uh, how can the Baller Circle learn more about you and, and, uh, and your business? Sure. Well, my whole online hub is at ericaduran.co, and it has links to my podcast, the YouTube channel, all my social media. Uh, there's a free guidebook on how to get high-paying clients, and there's a webinar. There's so many resources on there that anyone's welcome to go on there, hit the concierge button, and reach out. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Erica. I, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for listening to that interview with business coach and lifestyle design coach Erica Duran from ericaduran.co. You can check out the blog post of this episode and listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at internetballers.com. If you have any questions or want to just chat, you can shoot me a message at michael at internetballers.com and I'll see you on next week's episode. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.